0: Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it! Last week, we started a new series on the subject of Sabbath, and we're calling this series Sabbath, The Forgotten Commandment. Um, and we asked the question at the end of the end of the message: What could a 24-hour Sabbath look like in your life? Uh, so, who who's been thinking about it? Like in your family, you're like asking that question: What could a 24-hour Sabbath look like? Uh, there was more than multiple people reached out to me and just talked about just how crazy their life is and what what a you know impactful message it was. And uh, one person. Got with me and said, "Hey, you started a big fight in my family." <laughs> um, as we fought about, there's no time, and how do we make it? And but in spite of the headbutting, if you've been married longer than a week, maybe longer than a day, you know sometimes there's headbutting in the family. But sometimes after those moments, there's growth that takes place. And so even in the midst of trying to declare something encouraging, uh, sometimes it rubs us the wrong way. And um, you know sandpaper is, is is rough for a reason. And so. Um, you know, I don't know if you've experienced that uh, through this message or whatever, but some have. And I just want to encourage you to continue to ask that question through the next few weeks as we dive deeper into this subject. What could or would a 24-hour Sabbath look like in your life? There's a lot of content to try to go through in, re- in regards to review uh, and really for this whole series. It's so There's so much material. And my hope is really that through this series, we'll begin to understand a little more about Sabbath and we'll begin to take it seriously And apply it to our lives. Uh, Let me once again give you some reference materials um, for those that would like to read a little bit deeper on the subject. These are some books that I've read over the last year that all address Sabbath in some way. uh, But only one is specifically about Sabbath from start to finish. Uh, That's The Emotionally Healthy Leader, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. That's from Peter Schizero. Highly recommend those books. Another one is The Deeply Formed Life by Rich Velotas. Uh, and then Take the Day Off by Pastor Robert Morris. Yeah, so jump in. All right, our theme for 2022 is, uh, the, is the word renew. And we started this series by going back a little bit to the beginning of the year where we talked about Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will." And so last week and at the beginning of the year, we talked about how the word conform is literally talking about our way of being. The Greek word there is schema. And it's talking about not just things we do, but our way of being and specifically um, that our way of being is often formed unconsciously. And so Paul is telling us, do not allow your way of being to be shaped unconsciously by the culture or the society that you live in. But many of us, if not all of us, have unintentionally allowed our culture of workaholism to infiltrate our lives as Christ followers. And so our view of rest, our view of vacation, our view of times of refreshing have become one and the same with the world's view. And as a result of not resting God's way... Too many followers of Jesus are chronically overextended and doing more for Jesus than their inner life with Him can sustain. It's become normal for us to be overloaded, depleted, and exhausted. And so we've re- revisited this concept that our doing for God must flow from our being with God. And part of that being with God uh, comes from Sabbath. Sabbath. There was a lot of information last Sunday. Again, if you missed it, I'd encourage you to go to YouTube or the podcast and catch up. I want to pick up today right where we left off, looking at the Ten Commandments. You'll find those in Exodus 20. In a list form, they are this. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make idols. Three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Number 10, you shall not covet. And we said that the first three commandments are centered around uh, how we should relate to God. Don't worship other gods. Don't make graven images. Don't take God's name in vain. The last six commandments speak to how we are to relate to other people. Honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet other people's stuff. And that leads us to the infamous forgotten commandment. Number four, verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, while the first three help us relate to God, the last six help us relate to people. The fourth commandment is very unique in that. These eight simple words, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, speaks to how we are to relate to God, to ourselves, and to others. It's an all-encompassing commandment. And So Moses is the writer of the book of Exodus. And just so we wouldn't confuse what God was trying to say, he added more commentary to the commandment number four than to any other of the commandments. All right, so let's read his words in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to begin in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now the word Sabbath is a Hebrew word, And it means literally to cease, to desist, or to rest from work. Holy, as we discussed in many messages before, means set apart. And so remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy literally means, what it's saying is it's a 24-hour period set aside to the Lord our God to do no work so that we can rest, refresh, and delight in Him. All right, everybody tracking so far? All right. Our Bibles are broken up into two sections. We call them the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is called Old because the events that took place in that section happened so much longer before the New Testament. Everybody tracking? Alright, I'm just kidding. That was a terrible joke and also not true. That is not why we call the Old Testament old. Um, if you were given the Bible as a child, you were probably told something like: This book is God's word, it's all true. And I love what Andy Stanley says. Don't set anything on top of it. (laughs) Anybody ever? (laughs) All right, let's talk about our Bibles for just a second. The common language in Jesus' day was Greek. Now, this explains why the documents that make up our New Testament were originally written in Greek. Now, with the passing of time, Latin replaced Greek as the primary language. Now, Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, Testament means Covenant, but the word testament comes from Latin roots and not from Greek. If it's all foreign language to you, pun intended, I'll try to unpack this more as we move along. When the Bible was translated into English, the editors chose to stick with the familiar term testament as opposed to the English word covenant. So, testament or covenant are really interchangeable terms in regards to scripture. And many of you are wondering what a covenant is. Really an oversimplified definition would just be a contract. All right. So we have the old covenant, Old Testament. We have the new covenant, New Testament. By now, many of you are probably wondering, what does any of this have to do with Sabbath? It's important that as we look at these laws and commands that were a part of the old covenant, that we understand their context and how they apply to us today. Okay, so the Old Testament or the Old Covenant contained the laws of Moses, or it's called the Mosaic Law. Now, the Ten Commandments are a part of the Old Covenant. They're a part of the Mosaic Law. So when we read the Old Testament, sometimes people will say things like, that's the Old Testament, that doesn't apply to us anymore. Now, first of all, there's more to it than just this doesn't apply to me anymore. I mean, don't steal is also Old Covenant, but no one is out here advocating for the right to be able to take whatever you want from whoever you want. Right? You wouldn't argue that murder is Old Covenant, therefore it doesn't apply to me today. Or adultery is under the law, and so since Christ fulfilled the law and I am now under grace, I can sleep around with whoever I want, whenever I want. Now this is often, though, the view towards Sabbath. People will say, oh, that's Old Covenant, it doesn't apply to me anymore. But we hold on to the other nine as if our lives depended on it. We often elevate the other nine and brag about breaking the the fourth. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm working and God's doing this and that and that. And we're breaking the fourth commandment all the time. But we we elevate the other nine and yet we treat the fourth commandment, the Sabbath, as if it's optional, mainly because it's just not convenient. Listen to how seriously God took the Sabbath. Exodus 31, beginning in verse 12. And if you haven't read this before or if you haven't read it in a long time, there's strong language in here. Exodus 31, beginning in verse 12. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Remember, holy means set apart. It was God Who set them apart. Verse 14, observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Okay, there's a lot to unpack. How many of you are glad we're in the new covenant? Okay, I don't know. This is crazy. I'm glad I'm in the new covenant because I've broken the Sabbath and many other laws and I'd be dead right now. And so would you. All right, it's safe to say that without question, in ancient times, breaking the Sabbath was very serious. Everybody see that in Scripture? It was a capital offense. Breaking the Sabbath carried with it the death penalty. And we're going to come back to this in a moment, but the truth is, ignoring the Sabbath today also carries with it a death penalty. I mean, you're not going to be carried to the outskirts of town and stoned to death, but many of us are literally working ourselves to death. We're literally dying a slow death. And even if it doesn't kill you physically, ignoring the principle of rest will destroy your family. We have generations, plural at this point, of kids that have either grown up or are growing up without a mother or father present because we work all the time. Never resting. All right, back to verse 13. Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Sabbath is a sign. The Lord set them apart by the Sabbath. None of the other nations or people groups enjoyed a day of rest to the Lord as the Israelites did. God called them His holy People, in other words, he had set them apart from everyone else, and one of the ways that they were different was the Sabbath. While the rest of the ancient world commemorated their idols with annual religious feasts, God gave His people a weekly feast—a day to gather, to, to gather with family, to relax, to rest, and to be refreshed. A day to celebrate that they were the people of God and that He is good. Should we just sang about it a little while ago. So, when God looked at the Israelites and said, I've set you apart, what was He setting them apart for? What is it that they were supposed to do? They were a chosen people, but chosen for what? They were chosen to be carriers of a seed, they were chosen to become a genetic prophetic and cultural vessel that would ultimately and literally bring the Savior of the world into the earth. This seed was talked about all the way back in the Garden of Eden. God said that the seed of the woman would eventually crush the head of the snake. This, of course, was a prophetic reference to Jesus, the seed, and Satan, the snake. Fast forward several chapters in the book of Genesis and we see Abraham, who is the father of the Israelite nation and also the father of our faith. And God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. And he said this, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So again, a simplified explanation of the law of Moses is this. God was putting parameters in place to protect the seed. He knew that if there were no parameters, that the likelihood of the seed making it to its destination was slim. Even with the parameters or the law in place, the children of Israel were constantly messing up, rebelling and ignoring the words of God. Who knows what would have happened without the law? Now, this may be a terrible analogy, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. My boys, uh, if you're new around here, I've got a 3-year-old to 5-year-old are uh, playing soccer together this year. And Katie and I get to be their coaches. <clears throat> so I signed up to be their coach. Katie did not. <laughs> she was drafted into coaching midway through the first practice when I realized that getting 10 3 to 5-year-olds to do anything you want them to do is basically impossible. <laughs> and I was like, "Katie, I need your help." She ran out on the field. She's like, I didn't sign up for this. I was like, well, congratulations. You've just been promoted from team mom to assistant coach. <clears throat> Get your background check done because I need you out of here. All right. Now, my oldest son, who's uh, 20, just turned 23, he grew up playing sports. And until school sports began, I was able to coach him pretty much his whole life. But over the past couple of years, the, my, my younger boys have begun playing. Now, their first season, which was t-ball, I just wanted to sit on the sideline. I needed, to, I, I needed to get my feet wet before just jumping into the coaching water. But last year at soccer, it was very difficult. Uh, now, for those that don't know, the game of soccer takes place inside of a rectangular space. The rectangle is painted onto the field with white paint. Anytime a player with the ball goes outside of the lines of the white paint or out of the parameters, they are out of bounds. Simple concept, really. But not last year's team. So instead of a soccer game with parameters, what we had was complete chaos. Because for whatever reason, mainly because people said, oh, they're so cute. No one felt the need to blow the whistle. And so we have kids literally, and I'm not embellishing this to try to make it funny. Literally, this is our soccer field over there on somebody else's soccer field chasing the ball with the coaches just looking. (laughs) This is so funny. Nobody blowing the whistle. Again, maybe comparing the law of Moses to a U6 soccer field is kind of dumb. But essentially, that's what God did. He said, you're carrying something of great value. You're carrying my seed. You are carrying the savior of the world. And in order to make sure that you're successful, I'm putting these parameters around your life. You stay inside of this soccer field. I don't care what the kids on that soccer field are doing. I've called you to this soccer field with these parameters. Stay in your field. Now, Pastor Robert Morris described it this way. This is a quote from uh, the book that I referenced earlier, Take the Day Off. He says, remember, God's purpose in creating this covenant was to form a people who could remain distinct, intact, healthy and thriving for centuries in a fallen, twisted, decaying world. Those commandments were divinely designed to help them do just that. All right. So the Ten Commandments are under the law. Christ followers don't live under the law any longer. We live under grace. And again, it's important for us to understand this because it and to understand the context of the old covenant and the law and how it applies to us in this new era or in this new covenant or new contract. See, many of us ignore the Old Testament because we've been taught that nothing in the Old Testament applies to us. This is simply not true. While it is true that we no longer Uh, we no longer take people out and stone them to death that they commit adultery, murder, or break the Sabbath, which was a part of the law, the principles and wisdom that are found in the Ten Commandments are still very much a part of the heart of God. So how should we, as New Covenant believers, view and relate to the laws of the Old Covenant? This is a question that theologians, pastors, and believers have been wrestling with since the beginning days of the church. I, mean, I just read this week through Galatians when the apostle Paul rebuked Peter for his double-mindedness regarding the ways uh, or regarding lo- the law and grace. It's not hyperbole to say that this debate goes back thousands of years. Listen, it's one thing to say that as modern-day Christians or as a new covenant believer that keeping the Mosaic law no longer has anything to do with my salvation or my right standing with God. That's true. I've tried to make that abundantly clear. Last week, especially, we are not made righteous by keeping the law. But it's another thing altogether to claim that those laws no longer contain principles for living well or for living a life that pleases God. That's false. I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but the Old Testament laws, and especially, specifically, the Ten Commandments, still reflect God's values, character, and wisdom for living. Just because we no longer follow the Mosaic law as a way to salvation doesn't mean that God has changed his mind on how he feels about murder, adultery or stealing or any of the other Ten Commandments. And that includes Sabbath. Wisdom is still wisdom. Even if keeping the law is no longer our pathway to a relationship with God. Look at the words of Paul. In an ancient letter that he wrote to the Christians in what would later become modern day Turkey. Galatians chapter two, beginning in verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus That we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. All right. Paul is saying what I've been trying to explain. We are not justified. We do not come into right standing with God based on keeping the law. We can only be righteous or in right standing with God by placing our faith in Jesus. He continues. Verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. We cannot be made righteous By the law, our righteousness can only be found in Jesus. So what does this mean? Since I can't be made righteous by keeping the Ten Commandments, I can do whatever I want. Sure, if you want to live a miserable, terrible life, end up dead or in jail and possibly walk away from your salvation altogether, go ahead. Who wouldn't want a life like that? Obviously, that's sarcasm. But on the flip side, if the Ten Commandments reflect the heart of God, If they give me basic principles for living well, for living a blessed and fulfilled life, why would I want to disregard them as if they're not important? And this includes Sabbath. Now the Sabbath, Scripture tells us, was a sign to all of the other nations that the Israelites were set apart by God because they were carrying something of extreme value. They were carrying the seed. Can I suggest to you today that we, too, are carrying something of extreme value? And one of the ways that we protect what God is calling us to do is through Sabbath. Now, back to law versus grace briefly. Commandment versus principle. Again, people might say, keeping the Sabbath is no longer a command that I have to obey. Now, while it's abundantly clear that God took Sabbath very seriously in the old covenant, it is true you don't have to keep the Sabbath. But if we don't figure out how to apply God's principle of rest to our lives, we will pay a heavy price. Now, for those who might say Sabbath is under the law, therefore it doesn't apply to me, I would say this. The principle of Sabbath and rest predates the law by 2,500 years, it goes all the way back to the beginning. God had just spent five days creating the world and everything in it. Let there be light. The sun, stars, plants, animals, the fish in the water, the birds of the air. Then on the sixth day, he created people in his own image, Adam and Eve. And that leads us to Genesis chapter two. This is our first reference to Sabbath. Genesis chapter two, verse two. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The word rested is the Hebrew word Shabbath, which is the same word translated as Sabbath. We've already learned that Shabbath or Sabbath means to cease, to desist or to rest from work. Holy means set apart. So God Sabbath from all of his work, and he blessed and set apart the seventh day of the week. Why did God rest? Was he tired? Did he need a nap? Of course not. He's God. He has no need for rest. Remember, Genesis tells us in verses earlier that we didn't read He had just created man in his own image and likeness. Likeness means to resemble or to be like. Now, how do we become like someone else? We watch what they do and we act like they do. So while God didn't need to rest, he knew that we would need to. And so he rested for us as an example. So we could be like him. So we could follow his example. And so while God didn't need to rest, again, He knew we would need to. Now, one more verse of Scripture. and I'm going to wrap this up. Exodus 31, verse 17 says this. And it will be a sign, talking about Sabbath, between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day He rested And was refreshed. On the seventh day, he Sabbathed, if that's a word. And he was, as a result, refreshed. Again, did God need to rest? No. Did God need to be refreshed? No, of course not. But we do. Sabbath wasn't important for God. It was important for us. (laughs) What did Jesus say? The man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for the man. We're going to get into those verses as we move forward. It was so important, rest and Sabbath and being refreshed was so important that God exemplified it for us 2,500 years before the law of Moses ever existed. Sabbath goes back to the beginning of time, And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. The Hebrew word for refreshed is nafash. And it means to take a breath or to refresh oneself. Have you ever heard someone say or have you ever said yourself, I have so much going on, I just can't catch my breath. I got to take a break. I need to catch my breath breath. I feel like I'm drowning. I can't keep my head above water. In other words, I can't breathe and I need to take a breath. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you right now in this moment feel like you're drowning with all of the things that are going on in your life. Maybe you're so overwhelmed with tasks that even when you try to rest, you can't rest. Anybody ever been there? I'm just going to take a quick nap and you lay down and your mind, just going, 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 going. You can't even settle down for a few moments or you'll lay down at night and you can't, you close your eyes and all you think about are the bills that have to be paid and all you think about is the relationship and all you think about is this and my job and all of these things that are going on. We can't rest. But God is saying, I provided a way for you to be refreshed. Follow my example and be Refreshed. You need rest. You need Sabbath. And while it's no longer a command that we follow to be in right standing with God, it's certainly a principle of wisdom that should be applied to our lives so that we can walk in his blessing and protect what's on the inside of us and fulfill what he's called us to do. God has made a way for us to take a breath. He exemplified the path to being refreshed. And it's called Sabbath. And again, I know this is week two of not much practical application. The last two weeks, I've just been trying to lay some groundwork. I want you to understand that the Ten Commandments are not part of the law that make us right right with God. If you choose to not Sabbath, it may not affect your right standing with God, but it will affect your life. We can't ignore principles of wisdom. We can't do stupid things and then just expect yeah. our lives to be. You know what I mean? What were you saying earlier? You were joking about like we're going to do stupid things and do it smartly or something. I don't know. Stupid, games. stupid games. I don't know whatever (laughs) play stupid games you get stupid prizes I think that probably applies to Sabbath we can ignore it I've certainly ignored it in my life and I shared part of that testimony last week of how I just couldn't just couldn't get over the hump we started the church and we were just riding momentum for a while and COVID and all the craziness that hit and it was just it was hard It was in the middle of the COVID season, I've shared this before, but it was in the middle of the COVID season that I realized for the first time in my entire life, I had no pastor. I was the pastor. And I began to reach out to some of my former pastors and other leaders, even in the community. And I was like, Hey, I don't, I I don't have a pastor. I need somebody to speak into my life. I felt like I was drowning. And it was at that time that I came across all this new material on Sabbath. And I began to read it, began to listen to it on audible and Begin to make notes and highlight. and I remember one day I was vacuuming the carpet in the living room and I was listening to this chapter in the book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, and I just began to cry because he was talking about all of our doing for God must flow from our being with God and how that ties into Sabbath. And I was just like, I don't have this. I'm drowning. I need breath. And I told you last year, Katie and I have been experimenting with this for an entire year. And we don't always get it right. But when we do, man, it energizes our lives because we're following God's principle of rest. So let me ask you the question again that we asked last week. What would or what could a 24-hour period devoted to the Lord look like in your life? What could a Sabbath look like And again, I I get it. I, you know, the, I can't, I can never do, I can never take 24 hours. I can never stop what I'm doing. What's going to happen if I quit? Look, it's it's Sabbath is faith. Did you know that if you don't do what's on your to-do list, that the world is still going to spin around today? We're going to die with uncompleted tasks. Hopefully we're going to die with uncompleted dreams. Unfulfilled dreams that we're still looking at going, ah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Sabbath gives us a moment to rest and to protect what God has placed on the inside. Can we pray this for a moment? On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.